This is Finance, a basic look at the complex world of investing. Join me, Matt Gregory, and stock market expert Peter Raschuti as we put the fun in fundamentals of agrarian capitalism in a post-feudal society. And we don't even charge you for the lame puns like that. Although in some ways, uh, really, Matt, it's not um, not brand new. We've always had uh, what we... <laughs> These are all bad expressions, but pump and dump stocks, where you you get you get everybody. Usually, it's analysts, usually professionals. On this week's episode, what are meme stocks? So let's get started. Uh, joining us again, Peter Raschuti down in New Orleans. We do this every time, so I don't think it should shock people. But today, of all days, I thought we should really explore the bane of your existence this year as a professor, which has been meme stocks. So. What are meme stocks? <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been in the business 42 years, kind of, you know, was trained in Boston as a value investor. And this is the antithesis of what uh, of what we believe. Um, although in some ways, uh, really, Matt, it's not, um, not brand new. We've always had uh, what we... <laughs> These are all bad expressions, but pump and dump stocks, where you you get you get everybody. Usually, it's analysts, usually professionals, and um, and they're talking a company up, talking a company up, and the stock rises, and then they decide to get out, and then the stock uh, drops again. It's um, you know the dump part, and uh, so what we've seen here is this is all being done by social media, which is so much larger than one or two analysts on Wall Street kind of hyping a stock. And so that's why we don't know how big it is. Um, and of course, the, if you look at the, the movement in these stocks that are meme stocks that have been pushed on social media, I mean, the short-term returns have been astronomical. But it's just people, you know, I think the best example is this. This is going to be an odd example, Matt. But if you go to a dog show, like Westminster Dog Show, okay, so that, that might be something we do down the road together. But um, hey, if you were in the stands, I can't picture pretending this, but um, if you're in the stands and you and your buddy were saying, who's going to win? Um, you might say it's going to be that French poodle. He has great posture and, and uh, he's got a beautiful coat. And they said, I think that's the dog that's going to win. But that's not really how this game is played in the stock market. It's really played more. Um, it's not what you like. It's what you think other a lot of other people will like. And so even if there's a collie with three legs, you go, but, you know, I don't know that underdog thing. I'm going to put my money on the collie. <laughs> and that's how you win. And that's what stocks are. You're trying to find out what's what other people are going to like the most. And uh, that's what these meme stocks are are all about. And uh, the power of social media is uh, amazing. It does. It tends to be young people, but it isn't exclusively young people. I was going to ask you with this analogy, you have, you know, the Westminster dog show, it's you and your buddy. And you're like, okay, we think this is going to win. And it doesn't win. That's the stock market or it does, but it's, it doesn't really reflect you. But as a meme stock, sort of like you think it's going to win. You tell everyone in the Westminster dog show, it's going to win. They all start thinking it's going to win. And maybe for a little bit, the judge thinks I might actually let that poodle win, but then they turn back. And that's, I think, when the carpet kind of comes out from under a lot of these meme stocks. That's what I've seen. Yeah, exactly. And you just wonder, you know, uh, you know, you don't make any money until you sell a stock, even if it goes up. And so that is the end game. It's got to be sold. And, you know, maybe it's people getting nervous. Maybe it's people saying this is a this is enough. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity of how much money I've made. Uh, or it might be. Jesus, probably the more likely one, Matt, is 
uh, this has gone up 2000%. I want to take that money and jump on the next meme stock that hasn't run up already. And, um, and it's sometimes what they call a false market because it's running on, um, it's, it's running on non-fundamentals. Uh, if you look at these companies, um, you know, GameStop isn't really any better than it was before. It's a bricks and mortar company selling uh, items that everybody buys online now. It's, uh, and that's not, not going to happen. I go buy, I go buy a lot of GameStops and almost want to look in the door and say, uh, does it look any different? Does it look 2000% different than it's? <laughs> By the way, I want to say that's something nice about GameStop is in America now you go into a store and you ask for help and nobody knows anything. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I was in pharmaceuticals, now I'm in dairy. You know, it's, um, nobody knows, but, but I have to admit, when you go to a GameStop when my sons were younger and went there, they, I mean, I know they're crazy geeks. That's, I mean, that's given, but they know so much. It's like, you're like, thank God you're here, you know? So, um, Dude, yeah. you're right about that one. I was gonna say, there was something you and I talked about a while ago. And um, now that we've seen the whole evolution of GameStop to AMC and, and all that, uh, one of the things you talked about, it must have been like January when we talked about it. You said, um, if you have a stock run up like that, you if you're a company, you can actually make money off of it by issuing more stock, was it? or, or what, what, what is the process? And did anyone do that? Yeah. Oh, in fact, uh, uh, you, you got to admit, when the stock's moving around, it really on the service has no impact on the company at all. So that, that really is just this crazy casino going over on the side and I'm still trying to sell, you know, uh, packages of uh, um, the, the new Mario, you know, it's, uh, but it has no, no it's going on. But um, AMC has, it was really the second big one. And they came out and said what we, you and I were thinking about, which is, I don't know how the stock got this high. It's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm going to issue new shares. So we think of new, we, new shares, we always think of an IPO, an initial public offering. But once a company's public, they can go out and issue more shares in what's called a secondary. And that's what they're, um, that's now what people have lined up to do. Uh, two things, it makes the company enormously rich. They have all, all of a sudden you had a company that was going out of business and now they've got 500 million in cash sitting there. It's like, uh, I would be like, oh, AMC has announced this. You know, that would be a lot of popcorn to get $500 million. <laughs> so, and it's like, yeah. I might as well take advantage of this thing. Um, now, usually when, uh, by the way, I think that's going to create kind of an odd situation where all the theater groups were all suffering uh, pretty equally and they've come back a little bit. It's kind of icky. But now AMC is going to, they're going to wipe everybody else out. Mm -hmm. They have five, they, they, I don't know what the number is, but they got $500 million. They can either buy them all out or price them out of the market. It, I don't know, and we've, you know, we'll get into this in a little bit, I'm sure, but I don't know if the people in charge of these, these drives online, the people who are like, you know what, we're going to fight the big capitalist empire by taking on using AMC and GME as our kind of uh, Trojan horse. I don't think that they're aware of like the market realities they're bringing in, or maybe they don't care. I mean, I guess I probably wouldn't care either, but... Um, I don't think they, they've thought it out. Now, usually when you have an offering of new shares, now the stock usually drops because uh, now you've taken those profits and you're dividing it by a larger uh, number of shares or basically mathematically the denominator is getting bigger. And, I, and you're, I don't mind using math terms with you, Matt, because you're a smart guy. You know what they say? They say we're only using 20% of our brain and 
every time I hear that, I think, damn, what am I doing with the other 70%? So, uh, yeah. so true. Boom! So with this, because um, I think one of the things that has really come into play is you've heard people crying market manipulation about these memes. Um, is that something that we're, we're seeing or, or is this sort of like a, I guess it depends on the eye of the beholder, like who's making the rules about market manipulation? I mean, I think it is a false market. I think it is market manipulation. Uh, they have found something. Uh, they realized how powerful social media was. And, you know, before it was maybe aimed at a politician or something like that. But once they figured out the stock market, um, they, it, it, it really is manipulating the market. But I will say as much as we, <laughs> as much as we spent time this morning on the Westminster dog show, the, um, that is the, <laughs> that is, uh, um, that is the short term that stocks in the short term are beauty contests, but in the long term, they're weighing machines dealing with earnings and assets and projections of growth. So this is a short-term phenomenon. These stocks, you shouldn't be thinking, I'm gonna own GameStop for the long run or uh, gonna own AMC for the long run. I mean, there's a reason all those people were betting against these companies. They're terrible companies with terrible outlooks. <laughs> so you don't short a stock because you're thinking, oh, that's a fine company, I'm, I'm gonna bet against it. You, know, you, never, um, you never do that. And by the way, you don't have to, Matt, and this, uh, there's some now meme stocks, there isn't a large short position. So some of them are just being able to run it up just by retail buys. And so in that case, you're not sticking it to anyone. You're not sticking it to the short seller. Um, yeah, and so that, that's kind of where we, uh, uh, where we stand. Now the next thing, of course, is always trying to figure out what's the next meme stock. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could create it yourself, you know? it's. Uh, if Matt got a little piece of, uh, you know, some social media, you know, you're a smart guy. You've got microphones. You, you could do a, uh, and then so everybody wants to know who that next one is. And when I tell the students, even though I can't even believe, I feel like I'm handing them a, a hand grenade, you know, here's the <laughs> so, but it's, uh, you can find out which companies have the largest short position in them. So they're more likely to be the next meme stock. Uh, there's a, there's a website I go to, uh, which is shortsqueeze.com, and you can see um, which shorts, which stocks are being shorted the most. And uh, but God knows where this is, uh, where this is gonna gonna end. But we'll end. That's the only thing we really know, and it, and it's gonna end very badly. I I, I was wondering, um, had we seen? I guess I've only really heard of the phenomenon of meme stocks since the pandemic started. Um, it was like, I think one of them was Hertz rent a car for a little bit Yeah, and they sold off their fleet and everyone just kind of rushed in. Um, obviously GameStop's the big one, but is this something that's just like, have we seen anything in the markets like this before? Some sort of, uh, you know, aberration of the marketplace that took hold or at least like took our attention for more than two weeks. Well, yeah. And you know, you've looked back and one of the things you hear about all the time is the, uh, um, is is the uh, tulip craze uh, yeah, when the Dutch uh, had you know tulips are very very valuable and people just began believing they would become more and more valuable and so the bulbs themselves just kept going up and up and up because that's what drives a price up of anything is people believing that it's still going to rise now one of the problems with that if you have uh, an asset that you think is going to rise just because 
things are crazy and I'm going to be able to sell it to the next sucker for a higher price. You kind of know how this ends. You know, it's kind of a musical chairs uh, kind of situation. Whereas if you buy a stock and you like the fundamentals and it's growing and um, you can wait it out. Uh, so I, I think that's it. It's, um, uh, it's that greater fool theory. I do think my biggest fear though, is that it's going to be a lot of money lost. There's going to be a lot of tears. And I think a whole generation of investors are going to once again, steer away from the stock market because that's their idea of the stock market. And when I talk to young people, they never have anything to say about why the company's going to turn around or anything like that. Interestingly, though, the, Amy, the AMC situation where you do a share offering in the middle, you can make a real argument for that company's going to turn around. I was wondering, um, and I don't know if you've heard this before. I only found this out recently while I was reading some book. Um, it's about a Hollywood lawyer. Uh, Greg Boutzer, I think was his name. Uh, he, basically, what happened is, in the beginning, the theater, your AMC, owned everything. The, from the production of the movie to the, you know, obviously, retail of the movie in the theater. Uh, and then that was broken up by Congress in like the 1920s, 1930s. And so you had these theaters that split off, uh, and then you would have the production house, I guess is the term, or like, you know, the, you, you have, um, I mean, it's even broken down now into like little studios, right? But the, the movie studio and the actual uh, theater are not connected anymore. And I was wondering, and I thought I saw something about this, where like, since Netflix, right, or HBO control all the ends of it now, which is essentially what those movie theaters were doing in the 20th century, are they going to allow movie theaters to now reverse course and say, well, we want to produce our own AMC content. And then my question with that was like, you know, is 500 million enough to start up an outfit like that? Yeah, that's a good, good question. Isn't that great? I, um, it's quite an undertaking, you know, because on the other hand, 10 years ago, I would have thought that HBO and Netflix couldn't produce their own pieces. And now, you know, frankly, they're the best thing out there. So mm -hmm. I just don't see a chain of movie theaters being able to, to kind of uh, do that. And then of course, uh, the thing is, of course, is one, if they produce the movie, uh, they would show it, but nobody else would show it. The other movie theaters, because they would think they're just helping their competitors. So uh, there would be real problems with there. It's, it's funny, um, I heard this term, is that what the movie theater owns is the exploitation rights. You know, the fact that uh, overcharge you for popcorn and Coke and, and um, you make a mess and then at your chair and then uh, they've overpaid you and they have somebody uh, come and vacuum it up. So that's why some people get mad that they have to clean up now. They think, well, this was all part of the deal, actually, is you, you overcharged me and <laughs> I get to make a mess. I, I, I wonder if, um, and this is all pure speculation, I wonder if like as movie theaters decline, because we will see things at the pandemic kind of go, like you said, AMC, I wonder if, um, if it'll become like vinyl. Oh, like how it's, it's kind of a cool thing. It's a kind of a cool thing. Yes, absolutely. I think that would be, um, that'd be great. And all of a sudden we realize, well, let's see, vinyl, it's the, you hear the richer tones mm -hmm. uh, that have been kind of uh, uh, processed out. I wonder what it'll be in movie theaters. I wonder, now, you know, I'm old enough to think it's still very cool to go to a movie theater, but way before the pandemic, uh, I was going to a movie theater with, oh, the parking spots were 10 times what was needed. Mm -hmm. You know, it just wasn't happening. And uh, I like I like it. But um, but a whole generation has never gone to the movie theater. Yeah. 
and for, yes. well, <laughs> for every vinyl records, right, and, and how that's kind of had a renaissance, you have the 8-track that nobody wants to hear ever again. Right. Oh, that's true. That's true. They, uh... <laughs> so you hope movie theaters maybe aren't that. I, I think the significance of a movie theater has changed over time in that, like, it was the first place to see movies. But my dad always tells me that his favorite movie he has ever seen, and it actually holds up okay, uh, The Man Who Would Be King, which is oh, like yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, Sean Connery and uh, Christopher Plummer and then Michael Caine. Um, he says the reason he saw that was there was no air conditioning anywhere but the movie theater. Isn't that the truth? So he got in and he sat there and he's like, I'm, with a whole town was in the theater and he's like, we end up all seeing this great movie, but we would have seen, you know, Lassie part two, just to get cool. <laughs> we had, I had two buddies in from California where the weather is always perfect and cool and such. And the first day, visiting New Orleans in July and we first day I took them all around and showed them the cemeteries and all, but there was nothing left of them on the second day. And we just... I took them to a movie and it was all about steak in French. And it was like, hey, this is pretty nice, actually, you know. It's like, God damn. And of course, was, you know, it was always the traditional date movie, too. That was the uh, that was the other thing. You know, it's that it seems like a very public place and all. It's not like, you know, it's tough to just invite somebody over to watch Netflix on your couch if you mm -hmm. don't really know them. So uh, and that's the thing. I, I think that AMC should maybe give us a call. We've got all sorts of ideas for how you can, the, we, we at least know what you should avoid. <laughs> oh, a absolutely. You know what I like is somebody said about meme stocks the other day, he said, there's no there there. And I thought that was kind of, which I think is what Gertrude Stein said about Oakland, but this is true here. <laughs> you know, I talk about Oakland. I was in San Francisco to give a talk years ago and, um, and I'm staying in a really nice hotel. They're putting me up and we we're my friend and I are moving out of the elevator and, we realized the Lakers who have come in to play the Warriors, they're all at this this big hotel in Knob, up in Knob Hill. And so uh, so I go to the Giants game the next day, and I was bragging about the fact that I had just met Kobe Bryant. And uh, and they said, what hotel? And one guy just yells to the other. I guess they've been having this argument for uh, forever. He goes, hey, I told you they didn't stay in Oakland. I was like, <laughs> I was solving some problem for them. Look at you, always helping. I, I think when it comes to meme stocks, the thing that I've taken away from it, uh, just from watching it, is like, this is what you, <laughs> what's that old, here you go, here's your uh, Catholic tilt. What is the old saying? Uh, Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yes, I, and you have got it. That is exactly right. Too much money, too much time, and and not enough wisdom, mm -hmm. which I, I don't think is in Matthew 321, but it's, um. They, and I made up that passage because you're much better than I do. But it's uh, <laughs> sometimes Maddie 321 or something. But it's a uh, no. That's what that's the that's the formula for what we've seen. And uh, people have no idea what happened in the past. And which brings me to you know I think you know that's pretty much everything you can say about meme stocks is that they are seem to be a, a market aberration, a little bit like the tulip. They have, it, but it's funny because most aberrations socially don't have the ability to bankrupt you financially. Right. Right. And that's one of the key things they've been able to do here for society is to, they, uh, it's no longer trying to get you to all buy the same record or whatever. It's uh, why don't you just go out there and take all your hard earned savings and wing it. I just wanted to get your take in a not so formal setting like we just did previously to the whole show 
on inflation, because I think uh, we're going to see some movement from Jerome Powell. Inflation's at 4%. Is this the highest it's been in some time? Like, what's happening? Yeah, in fact, if we did have our usual segment, that was what I was going to go to. The uh, Jerome Powell spoke to Congress this week and came out and said what people thought was the truth, which is inflation is white hot, and that between here and the end of 2033, he thought he would have to raise rates uh, at least twice. And uh, interestingly enough, and of course, he's raising rates to tamp down inflation. The Fed wants inflation to be about 2%. Uh, this two things that came out of this one is that the current rate of inflation is really temporary. It's uh, it is all of a sudden you have a lot of people buying all at once in this pent up demand. And then you've got these supply chain problems that are really a function of the same problem. And so those two things are driving up inflation. It's not going to last. You're going to see inflation go back to two, two and a half percent. But he's uh, afraid enough of inflation and what it does to financial securities that he came out and said he would raise interest rates. And up until now, the Fed has basically said that they wouldn't have to. So these numbers, inflation numbers are really scaring them. Uh, I do have a lot of faith in them. I think this is, this is gonna work. But uh, I, you know, the interesting thing about it is the stock market didn't collapse. You know, any. It would always, you know, the other thing they do is they taper the, the buying of securities to try to slow down the economy. And they always have what it's called a taper tantrum. And this <laughs> market becomes a bunch of three-year-olds saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. We'll, we'll drive the market down so much, you'll take it back. And, uh, and uh, but it didn't happen this time. It happened for about a half an hour. And uh, then things uh, started to go back to normal. I will say, though, Matt, is a certain kind of uh, stock that does... Uh, better and worse when interest rates are rising. And that is when interest rates are rising, generally growth stocks don't do as well because their, their, their payoff, their earnings, everything is far down the line. And that the rate of, uh, when you raise interest rates, the value of those payoffs becomes uh, less and less. Whereas growth uh, value stocks tend to do much, much better in an environment like this. So I'm thinking we're gonna get a pretty good rotation uh, out of growth and into value, so we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see where that all shakes out. Yeah, when you say growth stocks, you mean some of the more speculative type stocks, or or, or just giant companies like a, a Microsoft or a Google that sell at rather than uh, small. I think of them as selling at high price earnings ratios. You know, where the earnings really aren't there now, but the market's thinking ten years from now those earnings are all going to be astronomical. So the, I would be looking at what's done well for with interest rates at basically zero for the last 10 years is what's done well is those uh, stocks with high PE ratios. And now I think what's going to happen with some inflation is those stocks, those value stocks are going to start to do better. The ones with low price earnings ratios, they probably pay a dividend. There's a lot of good things happening to you on the front end and, and you're not betting so much on the on the on the long end so that's a big rotation if it happens that'll switch a lot of investment philosophies and the other thing matt my last thing is you know we always talk about how the s p 500 has outperformed about 70 percent of all mutual funds um that look makes the industry look terrible uh but that's because there there were about six high pe stocks that were manipulating, not manipulating, but they're dominating the market. Mm -hmm. If this rotation occurs, you'll start to see active money managers do better than the S&P 500. So uh, that easy decision, like I just want to go into an S&P 500 index may not be uh, the be all and end all. Well, 
and just kind of a final point that I was thinking of uh, was when we talk about like what works in the market, what doesn't work, we've really only had about what less than a hundred years, maybe a hundred years now of understanding of the marketplace in a more professional, more, um, I guess, thoughtful manner since the great depression, because I think before that it was like somebody called JP Morgan, he'll be over here soon to fix it all. Yes. You know, the American stock exchange, when you hang around really old people, this will help Matt, um, <laughs> people over 90. So I'm not quite ready that, but they'll, they even talk about, um, things like the American stock exchange really didn't have a physical facility and they always would call it the curb. And that was because you traded stocks sitting on the curb. So of the street. So, um, yes, they were pretty primitive back then. There's no, uh, but we didn't have this kind of analysis. And frankly, Matt, we didn't have this kind of analysis when I first got in the business in the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, there was one financial show that was called wall street week with Louis Rukeyser and we didn't have CNBC and, uh, even when you watch a station like CNN, the stock market re re uh, results for the day or the progress is on the bottom right-hand corner. This was a sport for very wealthy, sophisticated people. And now everybody's in yeah. and everybody's an analyst, right? And you have to do a little sign off, right? Oh, I do do my little sign off. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh goodness. Peter, thanks for the knowledge. And those of you listening at home, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.